Angels from the realms of glory wing your flight o'er all the earth. He who sang creation story now proclaim as I as birth. Come and worship. Come and worship. We're the Baptist College International from Romania. My name is Tim Tyler. My wife, Deborah, is up here with us as well. I pastor a church in Timisoara, Romania. Good morning. My name is Benjamin Kalin. I'm a senior at the college, and I'm from Germany. Hello, I'm Jeremy Robertson. I'm a professor at the college, and I'm from the United States. Hello, my name is Alexander Young. I'm in my third year at the college. My parents are missionaries to Russia. Good morning. My name is Florin Stanka. I'm a Romanian pastor and also professor at the college. Hello. My name is Amelia Young. I'm in my freshman year at my in the college, and my parents are missionaries to Russia. Good morning. My name is Carrie Thatcher. I'm in my fourth year at the college, and my family is serving in Waterford. Hello. I'm Gabriela Colleen. I'm in my second year of Bible college, and my family are missionaries to Portugal. Good morning. I'm Matilia Colleen. I'm from Romania, and I'm in my senior year of college. Good morning, my name is Brianna Sehested and my family is currently serving in Hunedada, Romania. Hello, my name is Olivia West. I'm on staff at the college and I'm from the US. Good morning, I'm Julia, I'm also from Romania and on staff at the college. What you're about to hear is a cantata, an original cantata, which will contain both song and drama. But our next song is a song that we are singing in the Romanian language. It is a song uh, that is a rendering of this Christmas, Holy Christmas night. And as we sing it, it's a story of the angels, what they told the shepherds on that first Christmas morning. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Oh, my God. 
beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. All things were made by Him. He came unto His own. And His own received Him not. But the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And of His fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For grace and truth came by the Word, Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas, everyone! Happy Holidays! Will you be waiting much longer for the bus? Long enough. Have you been waiting much already? Long enough. Good thing it's sure to come eventually. But isn't it a beautiful day with the cool winter air, with the fresh blanket of snow, and the whole sense of Christmas in the air? Pardon? I said, isn't it a beautiful day with the cool winter air and the... Oh, but I don't mean to talk about the weather. Isn't Christmas always wonderful regardless of the weather? I suppose. Do you really think so? Me too. Tell me, what does Christmas mean to you? I'm sorry? You said you suppose Christmas is wonderful. What does Christmas mean to you? I really wouldn't know. Oh! Well, you certainly look ready for Christmas. Oh, but there's so much more to do. But I love it all. <coughs> Christmas is such a happy time of year. I absolutely agree. Tell me, what does Christmas mean to you? Christmas gifts, giving, shopping. I've got lists of all the wishes from friends and family and even a few strangers. I like to say that there's no place like the malls for the <laughs> holidays. <laughs> and I can hear the jingle bells. Ching, ching, ching. <laughs> what does that mean? Pardon me for saying so. But these doors just push the Christmas spirit so that shoppers spend more money. I'm a businessman myself. I know how it goes. So what if the stores make a profit? I buy gifts out of kindness and generosity for others. That's what Christmas is about. So is that what you'd say Christmas is? Business sales? Scrooge. <laughs> Not entirely. But practically speaking, Christmas only sticks around because the stores need Christmas to make more money. But I enjoy time off work and an extra day with my family, same as any other man. My family is the real reason Christmas means anything to me. That's precious. Care to share your opinion? About what? About what Christmas means to you. You wouldn't much like my opinion of Christmas. Oh, you don't believe in Christmas? Oh, I believe in Christmas. I celebrate my way. 
from the ham at Christmas lunch to the headache on New Year's morning. I sleep less, I eat more, and I party most. I've got no issues with Christmas. So, then what would you say Christmas means to you? Christmas, to me, is a time when clowns like you fill themselves with Christmas songs and glitter and go about with smiles plastered on their faces, wishing the world happiness. Until January, when the Christmas tree is taken down, the bills come in, the smiles fade, and real life resumes. Excellent! <laughs> now we're engaged in conversation. Oh, I really feel like I'm getting to know a lot about you. Now, about my joy fading in January, that's not true at all. You should see me in April. It's much worse. <laughs> no, for me, real life, though not always easy, can be full of joy. Christmas joy. And it's all because of what Christmas means to me. Well, go on. Yes. What does Christmas mean to you? <clears throat> no more waiting. I'm sorry, I really don't understand. It seems to me that even though most people buy more gifts at Christmas, spend more time with their families, and go to more parties, they're not quite satisfied. They're still waiting on something. But I have a joy this Christmas because I found what I've been waiting for. There's no more waiting. Well, what would there be to wait on? Nothing. That's exactly what Christmas is. It's the end of waiting for years. Centuries, millennium, the world was promised a gift, a person that would come and bless the whole world. He would be a king, a prince of peace. Who promised? What are you talking about? Who made a promise? God, in the Bible. Oh, that explains everything. It's religion. Thanks, preacher, but I don't need a Sunday school lesson. You seem pretty sure about what you need and pretty miserable with what you have. I, for one, love reading the Bible, especially at Christmas time. As much as I like fairy tales, we are not children. But neither were the Jews when God told them to wait on this promised king that would come and be born in a specific town in Israel. You call this a fairy tale? But tell me, what could be the chances that someone could pick a random town in Israel and that town be the birthplace of this promised king? Could it be chance? Well, if it were in a royal city where kings are usually but born- But you see, it wasn't. God said that this king would be born in a small, unimportant town in Israel, and that town is where Christmas all began. It all started in Bethlehem.
But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me thou to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. Jesus, and he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So you're trying to tell me that centuries before, God had this birthplace prepared. His birthplace, his family, 
and many more things. Jesus' whole life was a fulfillment of God's promises. His birth was simply the end of waiting for this promised king. I know all about it. I have a nativity set that I put up every Christmas. Glass figurines for the cows and the sheep, and Mary and Joseph, and baby Jesus in the feeding trough. Jesus was put in a feeding trough? This is the big hope of Christmas? A feeding trough? What is this, some kind of rags to riches story? No, actually, it's the opposite. It's a riches to rags story. Jesus was the king of kings, yet he chose to be born among barn animals. Why? To solve something in all of us that none of the smiles and glitter of Christmas could ever solve. But you keep referring to this Jesus as the promised king. You need to retake middle school history if you think Jesus was ever a king. You're making the same mistake as the Jews of Jesus' day, who were waiting for God to send this great political leader that would free them from Rome. But that's not the type of king God sent. Jesus came to seek the hearts of men and women. So for millennium, people waited and then on the night of his birth, no one even knew? Well, there were a few. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men.
As the angels spoke, the sky was filled with the joyful heavenly song. Every voice was raised to God in praise for Christ, the incarnate Son. All glory be to God on high and to the earth be peace, to those on whom his favor rests. Goodwill shall never cease, never cease, never cease, never cease. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And Mary brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And the shepherds came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Son of Mary, so 
to own him. The King of kings, salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. This is his Christ, the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. This is to bring him life, the babe, the son of Mary. As the shepherds saw this little baby, how much did they really understand about who he was? You mean because he would become such a famous teacher and religious leader? No, he would be far, far more than that. Well, uh, how do you mean? Isaiah <laughs> prophesied that his name will be called Emmanuel, a Hebrew name. My Hebrew is a little rusty. What does that mean? God with us. You mean, what do you mean? In other words, Jesus showed God's love to us, right? Isaiah prophesied that his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Well, I suppose God lived inside of him, but at first he was just a baby. Micah said, that the coming ruler of Israel will be from of old, from everlasting. From everlasting? But we know when he was born. Jesus lived far before he was born. He has no beginning and no end. You see, the world was waiting for God to send a solution to our brokenness. There's no more waiting because God came down himself. Then this little baby was... God with us, Emmanuel. to complete. 
Jesus did not come to live on the earth. He came to give his life on the cross. He died, but for what reason? For us. The Bible says that our relationship with God is broken because of our sin. All the wrong things we have done against him. Jesus came to pay for our sin, so that we might have a relationship with God for eternity. Well, we've all done some things we regret, but in general, I'm a good person. I don't see why he would have to die for my sins. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save those who are lost. None of us are good people. We're all lost. But logically, this doesn't make any sense. At the end of the story, you have a dead God. Oh, but that's not the end. You see, after three days, Jesus rose again. And he now wants to live with us for eternity. What does Christmas mean to me? No more waiting. Because I have everything I need, both for now and for eternity. If Jesus died for me and is with me, then I sure haven't noticed. My life isn't anything like that. But he did die for you. And he offers it to you now as a gift. You're still searching for something to fill the hole. Let me put it this way. 
we're all waiting for a bus. We fully expect it to come, right? I wouldn't be standing so long in the cold if I didn't. But when it does come, we all have a choice to get on or to stay where we are. For years, the world was waiting for Jesus, God with us. I have accepted Jesus' gift. Jesus is God with me, in me. Christmas gifts and glitter are not the reason why I smile in December. It's because of the King of Christmas. And there's no more waiting. So now, like the bus, there is a choice. I believe in God. I go to church. I'm not a bad person. I don't need this. Listen, I appreciate you sharing your beliefs. They are intriguing, but I'm a businessman. I live by what I see. I cannot put my trust in someone I cannot see. Well, then I won't bother you any longer. May you have a Merry Christmas. Aren't you getting on the bus? No, I've not been waiting. I have everything I need. Oh, you forgot your Bible. You probably didn't forget it. No, I suppose not. You have to live by what you see. Well, I do believe the Bible. But he doesn't understand. I'm not a druggie or a criminal. I'm a good person. beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God all things were made by him he came unto his own and his own received him not but the word became flesh and dwelt among us and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace for grace and truth came by the word, Jesus Christ.
was born to earth. It was a holy night that marked his holy birth. It shone down upon the infant Son of God, Emmanuel, Messiah. The shepherds were alone beneath the starry skies, but then the glory shone before their very eyes. And the angels sang the sweetest song to them. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men. Gloria, Gloria, has been asked much this morning what does Christmas mean to you well different people have different ideas for some Christmas is actually an interruption life is busy enough as it is and then you have to throw in all the other stuff others they just live for Christmas they can't wait for it to start I'm one of the latter somewhere around September I start playing Christmas music but if my wife's anywhere around, she says, turn that off. We have to wait till after my birthday. Her birthday's in the middle of November. So that you may not agree even with your own family about what Christmas means. But Isaiah told a story. And he told it to the people of Israel at a time that was also full of trial and tribulation. You see, they were fearful of the invasion of the Assyrian army at the time. They were aware that their lives could end very soon. And Isaiah came and gave them a prophecy. He said a child would be born of a virgin, and he would be called Emmanuel. They heard those words, that word, they understood what it meant in Hebrew, but what does that mean? Just a couple chapters later, he says, this child would be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
again, they were a little bit confused. God, the child, God with us. He said he would be of the root of Jesse, a branch that would bud and bring forth fruit and deliver them from all they fear. Finally, in chapter 12, Isaiah tells what it's like when God is with us. I wonder if you consider this morning this thought. What does God with us look like? I mean, yeah, I believe in God, some would say. I go to church. I've taken the different religions around, and I've tried to compare them, and I still don't get it. What do you mean by God with us? Well, Isaiah had an answer. In Isaiah chapter 12, in verse number 1, it says, In that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. God with us looks like, first of all, the removal of condemnation. They were looking too short-sighted. They were looking at simply a deliverer from the oppression or possibly the problems around them of the day, as we do today. We take a shortcut. We change our direction. We try to do something to make life a little better. It doesn't always work, does it? But Isaiah said, when God is with us, he will remove your condemnation because God is angry with the sinner every day, the Bible tells us. Now, you may have heard this verse in John, John chapter 3. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love that verse. It's such a wonderful truth that many have understood and have accepted. But John goes on to say something else about why Jesus came. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Uh, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth, but, uh, but, because he, uh, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. Isaiah said there is a removal of condemnation. God is angry with the sinner every day. But he says in chapter 12, verse 1, but thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. What's the difference? Emmanuel has come. God is with them. When God is with you, he removes your condemnation. You don't just happen upon this. And it's not by your works. It's not by your religion. It's not by your efforts to do better. It's the fact that we cannot save ourselves. We cannot do anything. So God came himself to remove the condemnation for us. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, that cruel cross, not because he did anything wrong, but because he was the perfect sinless sacrifice, the only one who could possibly take our sin upon himself 
and pay our price. He became sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But there's another mark of what God with us looks like. It also is a relationship with God. The next verse he says, behold, God is my salvation. A relationship with God is what it means to have God with you. It's not religion. It's not some teaching or moral standard. It is a relationship with God. And let me be clear, with Jehovah God. Because Isaiah uses those very terms. He says, I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. In that relationship, we see security. Security is the ability to trust in time of fear. Knowing that things are going to work out, knowing that things are working out. And when God is with you and you have a relationship with Jehovah God, there is that security. I was a boy of about 10 years old. I had heard the Sunday school lessons. I had seen all the object lessons to help me understand. But I was sitting as a boy trying to chat with all my buddies around me. But that particular morning, a simple businessman who was a Sunday school teacher was telling about how Jesus died on the cross and what it meant, how he suffered because of our sin. And as I listened, I was, uh, I was enthralled with the message and a thought rose up in my heart. He did that for me. And that was the first time I understood I needed Jesus. And I trusted him as my savior. And I have no fear of death. For I know if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. Not because of something I've done, but because of what he did for me. That relationship with Jehovah also speaks of strength. He says, the Lord Jehovah God is become my strength and my song. There's something I enjoy about reading history of Christians especially the martyrs or those who have gone through great trials as missionaries. I love the songwriters who write of their great trials and tribulations and how God used that to teach them something and to give them the strength to go on. That comes from a relationship. Knowing that in spite of all the trials I may go through and life being hard, I have a song. I have a song that began in heaven. And was brought to the earth and produced in me a changed life. That relationship with Jehovah literally means he is your salvation. I love how Isaiah said it. He, Jehovah God, also is become my salvation. When I talk to people in Romania or in America or wherever I might be, they often have a concept of salvation as something they have to do. I have to do something to earn it. Yes, maybe Jesus died on the cross for my original, for the original sin of Adam, but I have to do something about me. But God said, no, I will be your salvation. I will be with you because I will come and will be born of a virgin, live a sinless life, die on the cross, raise again 
so that you can say, he is my salvation. Not me, but Jesus. God with us, you recognize it because of the removal of condemnation. Maybe you're here today with that burden upon your heart. But if you knew how bad a sinner I was, if you knew what I do, if you knew how wicked I am, I don't know. And you don't know about me. But God knows us all. And in spite of that, he gave his only son for you and for me and offered a gift that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But he says one more thing. And if I may, in just a moment, talk to you who already know Jesus is your savior. God with us also means rejoicing in that salvation. Verse number three says something, and as I read the verse, it, it, it just speaks to me about an image that is shown here. It says, therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. I'm reminded of when I was a boy and I would go to the countryside to my grandfather's, and he had one of those old-fashioned wells, you know, the kind where they dig way down to find the water. Well, that was in Colorado, and here you don't have to go so far to find the water, I know. But that well was deep enough, and yet there was a rule at his house. You had to keep the bucket hanging up above and never leave it in the water. Why? Well, it was a metal bucket. It was a bucket that if it was contact with water, it would rust, and eventually they'd have to replace it faster than they wanted to. Well, before the tinkers learned how to make galvanized metal and create buckets like that, they used to build them a different way. They would take pieces of wood, maybe cedar, and they would form it into a cylinder, and wrap around the outside edge of that a piece of rope or perhaps a band of metal. They would plug it with a, a piece of wood in the bottom and look like a bucket. Just, just like a bucket should look. The only problem is when it's brand new and dry, if you try to pick up water with it, what happens? It just flows right out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. How do you get that bucket to hold water? Well, the rule then was you leave the bucket in the well. You put it down in the water, keep it in contact with the water, because the water would, would be absorbed into the wood. The wood would expand, and those seams would be sealed. And now you can bring up the water in full bucket and not lose a drop. When Isaiah said, with joy you shall draw out of the wells of salvation the water. I think about our lives as Christians. There many times we want to see God do something in our families, in our relationships, help our friends come to know Jesus as Savior. And we know Christmas is a wonderful time. But really, what the world needs to see is the joy of the Lord in us. That with joy, we would draw water out of the wells of salvation. The reason we don't have the joy could be because we're not in contact with the water like we should be. We've dried out. We've become accustomed to I could do it myself. Uh, don't worry about me. I'm okay. I'm not okay. I need God with me. And I need to live every day aware that I can't do it myself. But with joy, I can draw from the water, the water from the well of salvation because he is with me. Christian, can I ask you, How's your joy? Yeah. 
Is God with you? My friend, do you know uh, Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? It would be wonderful if today would be the day when we can introduce him to you because he's that close. He's close to anyone and everyone that would ask you. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I'm going to ask the pastor to come. But I'm going to just pray at this moment and then let him take it further. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, it would be a wonderful day that today would be your day of salvation. <laughs> Father, I come to you and I thank you for the privilege of just sharing this story. We're not talking about music and drama. We're talking about the truth of the scriptures that reveal that you loved us so much that you came to die for our sins. I thank you for that gift of salvation, and I pray that you will work in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.